Well, it is very good to be with you, church. Um, I'm here with my, well, with part of my family. I'll put a picture up on the screen of, of the full family. Uh, my wife, Eve, back here, 27 years this year. Yeah, I married her when she was three. High school sweethearts in Mountainburg, Arkansas, south of Fayetteville. And then our baby daughter, Aaliyah, is here with us. And she's a 10th grader going into 10th grade at Lee Summit West. Um, but we also have twin daughters that when we uh, left Wyoming to move here, we live in Lee Summit now, uh, they stayed there because they're now seniors at University of Wyoming. So Caitlin and Brianna are out there. And whew, you guys done that yet? You left your kids somewhere and didn't intend to go get them? There's just something not right about that transaction. Uh, although the Yellowstone joke was pretty funny. Um, no, I, I'm glad to be with you guys. Uh, grew up going to church, raised by a single mom. Actually married a girl, raised by a single dad. That makes us a royal mess. Uh, we we uh, love the church, and uh, I came to Christ at the age of six in Mountain Bird Baptist Church. She came to Christ as a teenager there when I began dragging her to church. And um, don't have to drag her anymore. Sometimes she drags me. Uh, we grew up there. We did all kinds of things. At 17, I, I sensed a really clear call to, to ministry and promptly did what most people do when they hear God's missional call in their life. I ran scared to death. And I did so for quite some time. And the Lord is gracious and kind and as I ran, he allowed me to experience all kinds of things until I finally said, God, your plans are, are much better than mine, and I'm going to begin running with you instead of against you and see how that goes. And that led us to pastoring a church in Arkansas, um, kind of a replant, not unlike this one, and uh, then led us to a great adventure, which is where my story kind of intersects with your pastor's story. We moved to Wyoming as church planting missionaries just over seven years ago um, to plant a church that we hoped would plant a bunch of churches. And so we, we got to be a part of God's missional work in a place that desperately needs it. You guys' team's in Montana right now. I'm sure Pastor Brian will share with you that the statistics there are well over nine out of ten people are apart from faith in Christ. And that's similar in Wyoming as well. And so we planted a church there that we hoped would plant other churches, and sure enough, that happened. We got to be a part of, of over half a dozen uh, church plants Big communities, little communities, well, actually Kansas City related, all little communities. <laughs> the big communities in Wyoming are little in Kansas City measurements. Um, the last one we were in was Shoshone, and the only reason you've ever been to Shoshone is if you were driving to Yellowstone. Anybody driven to Yellowstone? Does anybody that drove to Yellowstone remember going through Shoshone? Probably not. If you blinked, you did, you did miss it. Um, it... It was uh, just a great season out there to see the missional activity of God. And really, what I tell people, to get a front row seat to God's work in the world. And, you know, I love seeing God at work in churches like this and otherwise. So getting to know your pastor and then him inviting me to preach today while he was away was just 
very kind, and I look forward to that. You guys are doing this NT90 thing. You're studying through the New Testament scriptures in 90 days. I think that is fabulous. And so I kind of joined you this week, and I read through the sections that, that detail really the, the guts of, of our faith, the guts of the gospel, that, that we have a Savior, Jesus, who loves us so much that he died for us. And we, I read about that. Maybe you did too. Was crucified, bled, the lamb that bled for us. And that he didn't stay dead. He proved who he was, that he was Savior and Lord when he rose again from the dead. That's the good news of Jesus. We read about that. And then before we read about him ascending back to heaven, we read, or I read, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and it probably is yours too. It is the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. If you'd open your Bibles or pay attention to the screen or get your own screen, By the way, back in the back, Joe, thank you so much for doing what you do. Joe and I worked together at FCA. The reason the Lord called me uh, from Wyoming to Kansas City was to join that amazing organization, and uh, what a joy that is to work just down the road from you guys here. The, um, The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. It's probably incredibly familiar to each of you. It's uh, a, a passionate section for me, a person who goes on mission, whether it's a mission trip to Montana or whether it's moving your family to Wyoming, believes that God calls and we go. God calls and we go. We, we believe that. We probably all believe that at the surface level, but uh, I guess a question I would ask you before we read it is, have we believed it to the point where it has changed the structure of our walk? Let me read for you Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 through 20. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. When I read that to you, probably one particular area stood out. It's the way we are when we read things. We read and something grabs our attention and maybe we dig a little deeper in that. And so likely if I was to poll the room today, what stood out would be the words, go. Might be the words, make disciples. But most often, whenever we read this great commission passage, What sticks out to us is what's right there in the middle. Our mission, the mission that Jesus, who died for us and rose again, gives before he ascends to the Father. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, who's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. That is the mission that Jesus gives us. Have you ever seen somebody try to drive a car that didn't have any gas in it. Have you ever done that? My wife can tell you stories about me trying that twice. Um, I'm bad about checking the gas gauge. Uh, the, The picture that we get right here in the middle of the Great Commission is the thing that we are called to do. But in this life of faith, we don't get much done 
if we are not connected really close. Well, as a matter of fact, your pastor preached on this last week, John chapter 15. If we are not abiding in the vine, if we are not close and connected to Christ. And so today, what I want to do is say, yes, this is our mission. Yes, this is what we are called to do. But it's only part of these verses that I read to you. And I have made this mistake along the way in my Christian life, so I'm going to make an assumption that maybe someone else in the room or, or on the screen has made that mistake as well, of focusing on the going without some of the ingredients that make the going successful, without some of the parts to the Christian life that make us, empower us, strengthen us, send us in such a way that we actually make an impact when we get there. Your uh, team that went to Montana went in the hopes that they're going to get there and they're going to do something that will change eternity for someone or a bunch of someones, right? That's the, the whole goal. So when we hear this text, I believe there are a couple of real specific areas to focus on before we focus on what I would call the middle. If you notice, I brought some snacks today. It's not because I get hungry up here. It's because one of them has a, a great illustration in it. Anybody in the room like Oreos? Three of you like Oreos. Bunch of liars. Come on. <laughs> you called this guy in and he called these liars right from the pulpit. Um, you know, I'm kidding. Oreos. Who likes the uh, chocolate outside? Okay, who likes the squishy middle? Who likes them both together? Dipped in milk. Uh, okay, got a few of you. A couple of lactose people like, uh-uh, don't do that. Yeah. Well, this great commission, this go and make that Jesus gives us, I'm going to tell you, is a little bit like the, uh, the middle. See if I can do that. Well, close. I brought tools. I brought tools just in case. Yeah, snuck a knife into church. Watch out, guys. The... Uh, the Great Commission altogether is this Oreo cookie, but the actual middle, the sending part, is much like just the white stuff. Now, back, hands again that just like the white stuff the most. But who in here would eat nothing but the white stuff all day long? Bunch of crazy people, a couple of you. Now, I like you a lot. I would too. It tastes really, really good, but it's got nothing to stick to. Like, that's, that's not going to fortify much. Is not going to go very far before it falls to pieces and falls apart. It's going to need some backing, some strengthening, much like the Great Commission of going. We have to have some, some foundation and some strength to establish our going to. And I believe there are two, the first one in the first verse I read, the second one in the last verse I read, and I believe that they specifically answer what it is we have in Christ. That's why I'm going to refer to it not just as the Great Commission, but the Great Co-Mission. Co, together. I believe that when Jesus sat down with his disciples, began to talk to them about what he was going to do to send them, I believe he said, I have a plan where you are going to get to join me in this mission. 
here's what it looks like. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me on this co-mission together. I'm going to put down the white stuff before I just spill it all over the place. (laughs) Okay, so in Matthew chapter 28, I believe we answer two big questions that are going to become the two foundations to our beautiful Oreo cookie or to the mission of God. The first question is this, and it's a question that people ask whether they're in faith in Christ or whether they're not in faith in Christ. It's a question that people struggle with and wrestle with, and the question is something like this anyway, am I enough? You might say it this way, am I strong enough? Or or you might just say it this way, can I do this? See, even for those of us that I've been following Christ since I was six, guys, when I hear Jesus say, go, sometimes the inner Chris voice of me says, I'm not sure I can. I'm not quite sure I'm strong enough. Do I really have what it takes? Am I enough to do this? And so the the first um, foundation, as you will, I believe, answers this very, very will, will, real, well. Okay, let me tell myself for a minute. I'm bad with the English language. The first church I planted in Casper, we began this running joke after about the first year where everyone would keep track of my mistakes. So I'm now empowering you to do this with me. All around the audience, instead of amen and praise the Lord, you get something like this. That's the third one. That's the fourth one. You're at your limit. You're done. Yeah. I grew up in a place called Mountainburg. I actually speak well for most Mountainburg people. <laughs> Jesus came near, on the very front end of this, Jesus came near and said to them, the disciples, all authority, all authority had been given to him. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All the authority in heaven and all the authority in earth, given to him. Foundation number one that we need to establish is that Christ has all the authority needed, needed to call you and I to go, needed to deal with the problems we may encounter when we go, needed to give us the power to do what he's called us to do. Uh, Depending on your translation, who read a translation today where instead of authority, it said power? Anyone? A couple of you. Okay. So in uh, in the Bible, these words were originally Greek, right? And so the, the word there, authority, is about, uh, is in the New Testament about 100 times. And of those 100, almost 70 times, it's translated power. And the rest of the times, it's translated authority. Both words are, are very accurate. And I believe for illustration purposes today, we can say, being on commission with Christ, we can do so because he gives us power and authority. You might say this this way, and this is the way I put it on the screen. His authority empowers us. The authority, the power, the strength of Jesus, the risen Jesus, the one who defeated death, the one who has ascended to God, the one who is calling you to himself and calling you to go, has all the authority, has all the power, 
you and I might ever need. It's given by the Father. It's earned by His blood. It is extended to you by grace through faith whenever you trust in Christ. Before we go on mission for God, we set our foundation by receiving and engaging in the authority and the power of Christ. Let me just see if I can get our, our mission. I lost a piece of our mission right there on the table. I once did an illustration in a church that I was uh, helping with, with children, and it involved water. We were sitting down up here, and I was going to show how water could be held in a cup upside down, and I spilt it all over the kids. <laughs> Not my strength, guys. We're still looking for my strength, actually. Uh, the foundational piece of this beautiful cookie is that God, through Christ, has given all the authority needed for Jesus, for the Spirit, and for his bride, the church. He's saying about ourselves as the bride today. He has empowered us to do all that he's asked us to do. All. All authority. All that you need. Am I enough? So let's be honest with that question. Am I enough? Sorry. No. No. No, we're not. But Christ is enough. And Christ is in us, and we are in him, vine and branch. And as long as we are clinging to Christ, we have enough. So stop asking, am I enough? And come to the place and say, Christ is enough. And that begins to formulate a strength, a resolve, an ability for you and I to say, okay, I'm not enough, but Christ is, so we are good to go. We are on commission with Christ because his authority empowers us. There's, a, there's another big question. Um, the first one is, am I enough? The second one is, am I alone? Am I going to have to be sent by Christ? Goodness gracious, I came to Jesus because I needed help. I came to Jesus because I didn't want to be alone. I sit down at the table of Christ. He enters me into his family, and then the first thing he says is, go. (laughs) Am I going to go all by myself? Am I enough? Yes. Am I alone? We ask this whether we're in Christ or not, all the way from little children. Anybody in here got a, a child that's afraid of the dark? They're not so much afraid of the dark. They're afraid of being alone in the dark. <laughs> that's, that's the th- I'm still afraid of the dark, okay. Uh, we have to face the fact that we deal with concerns of isolation and struggle, yet some of those are self-contained, okay? Um, the second, I guess you'd call it top foundation to our... Uh, to our missional statement today, is is going to be answered in the last verse. And remember, I am with you always. Jesus at the front end says, I have all authority and all power. In the middle, he says, go. And on the back end, for those of us that wrestle and struggle with, but I don't want to go by myself, but I'm not sure that I can do this. Jesus says, remember, which is another way of saying never forget this. 
Don't let your Christian walk walk outside from underneath this promise. I am going to be with you on Sundays. Yeah, on Sundays. On Wednesdays. Yeah, on Wednesdays. How about on the hard days? Yes, on the hard days. How about whenever I don't feel it? Yes, whenever I don't feel it. Jesus said, I am going to be with you, talking to his church, people that have decided to follow Christ, that have repented of their sin, that have trusted in him, that are following him, that are willing to go on mission. He said, I'm going to be with you. And when Jesus says, I'm going to be with you, that means all of his power is with you. That means... More specifically, you are going to be with him. I find that to be incredibly good news. Am I enough? No, but with Christ, who is enough, you can do it. Am I alone? No. Never are you alone. Now, we have a Oreo cookie here. Somehow I've gotten white onto the top and the bottom. This thing is covered up with the mission of God. We have a very clear and perfect picture of how this thing was meant to be. It's got its strong bookends. It's got its squishy middle. It is ready to go. And that's what we are to be. We are called. We are set apart. We are given clear orders, marching orders, instructions. Here's your commission. And we're said, I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Christ His presence by the Holy Spirit is always with us. So my question then for this day, and we'll put it up on the screen, is very, very, very simple. I'm known as being a pretty simple guy. What what would you do? What would you do if you knew that the power and the presence of Christ is going to be with you? Not some of the times, not all the time, not 80% of the time, 100% of the time. What would you do? Now, that's a very big question. I realize that. So let's, let's define it just a little bit and put a couple of bookends on it. Number one, this power and presence of Christ is available to people who have said yes to the mission of God. It means it's available and within, contained inside the sovereign plan of God for our lives. So what would you do in Christ and for Christ and from Christ in your family, in your church, in your community, wherever you live, work, and play? What would you do if you knew the power and presence of Christ? It's going to be with you 100%. I mean... Several of you right now would answer that question, I go on a mission trip to Montana, right? Several of you would answer that question by saying, I'll stay home and take care of things so you can go on a mission trip to Montana. Great, takes both, by the way. Or I'll put money in the offering plate to help pay for you to go on the mission trip to Montana. What would you do? What will you do? What is God calling you to do. A couple of uh, more bookends. Number one, this is not a promise given for us to apply carte blanche to whatever we would like. Uh, My Christian life started that way. 
My Christian life started by me saying, wow, the power and the presence of God available, man, that means I'll never lose a baseball game again, right? That means I'm going to be the best at this or the best at that, and, and there's a lot of I inside of that statement. We cannot take these beautiful promises of Scripture and disassociate them from the calling of God. He says, I've called you on mission. And when you're on mission, you can experience all of that. Whenever you're not, just consider yourself drifting out from underneath of my power and my presence. He doesn't leave. Who left? We do sometimes. Shouldn't do that. Caveat number two, we also cannot apply this to any area of our life that God would call sin. We can't just say, hey, the power and the presence of Christ goes with me wherever I go and then wander off into our own designs and expect that he's going to be there caring for us. Now, does that mean he ever left? No. Does that mean he won't draw us back? No. But what it does mean is that within the Great Commission, he has committed to be with us as we are with him. When we don't abide in him, we find ourselves hurting, struggling, difficult. Um, there, let's look at a quick example. It's going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. It's going to be around the topic of one of the disciples. He's one of my favorite ones, Peter. Anybody else in the room like Peter? I love that guy. The disciple with the foot-shaped mouth, yes. The disciple that so often got out ahead of things, that was so passionate. If he read this great commission, apart from Jesus saying it to him, you know what he would have gravitated to? Go. He would have gravitated to go. This is the same disciple who, when they're in the middle of the garden, when Jesus is about to be arrested, people come in, and what does he do? He grabs his sword. He takes on the mission of God very personally, but he does so in his flesh. Starts hacking off ears, right? Creating Vincent Van Goghs all over the place. Jesus fixes all that. That's a good thing. But that's before Jesus has died. Jesus has rose again. Jesus has restored him. And before the text that we read today in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse um, 1, I believe it is. Maybe it's verse 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Three in the afternoon, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple. The gate was called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Peter and John, along the way, are being commissioned, being sent. And Peter and John are about to enter, and this man, this lame man, lame from birth, says, Can I have some money? He's begging. He's asking for help. Peter looks straight at him and says, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And that's where you get this famous section in the Scripture where Peter and John look at him and say, we don't have any money. I can just imagine them pulling out their pockets. I got none of that for you, but what I do have, I will give to you. And he calls him to stand up and walk, and he stands up and walks. The transforming power of the commission of God, whenever we accept the power and presence of Christ in our life, I believe is very well displayed here. 
from a disciple who most recently was hacking off ears to now is being present in the midst of the mission of God, not pushing his own way, not driving his own plan, but saying, Jesus, your power and your presence is here. Jesus, what do you want me to do? You want me to tell the man to get up? Oh, that's not what I would have done. The, the mission of God is most of the time not what we would naturally do. Let's look just a little bit further in Acts chapter 4 and see how he continues to respond. So he heals the man, or Jesus heals the man. The power and presence of Christ heals the man as Peter is on mission. It would be a good way of saying that. And everybody notices, including the same people who had Jesus crucified, including the same people who, whenever they asked Peter before all this happened, hey, do you know that Jesus fellow? Peter said, uh, who? Uh, I'm not sure who you're talking about. Uh, no, I don't know him. And so much so he began to proclaim curses. I don't know Jesus. Now those same people are calling Peter into the room and saying, by what power have you done this? If he thought back in his recent memory, he would have been scared to death to be on mission for God in this moment. But I believe that's not what was happening. I believe that Peter was so surrounded by the power and the presence of Christ that he just simply called all the people. He said, rulers and elders. In other words, y'all have a seat. I have something to say to you. And uh, starting in verse 9, he says it this way. If we're being examined about a good deed done to this disabled man, by, by what means he was healed, all of you need to know. Let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you healthy. Down in verse 12, he says, There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Peter is transformed. Here you see the power and presence of God going with him, not just empowering him to do a great thing to a man broken, but then to speak of the good thing that Jesus had done with confidence. So most often in the mission of God, we struggle with one or the other. We struggle with the, the part that we have to do or the part that we have to say. Some of us are good at saying things, not very good at doing things. Others are pretty good at doing things, but when it comes to say, we, we back into the shadows. The power and presence of Christ goes with us to do both of these things. Let's look at one final section. Still in chapter 4, verse 13, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Hmm. They displayed the power and presence of Christ so strongly that people around said, I don't know what his name is. I'm not sure why he's here. But that only comes from being in proximity, from being changed 
from being made new by the power and presence of Christ. We are called to be on commission with Christ. He sent us with all of his power, all of his authority, and he goes with us with his very presence, the presence of the Spirit, sending us out to make a difference in the world. That may be in your home. That may be uh, in your workplace. That may be in a relationship that's really tried and tested. That may be in the foreign mission field. That may be in this very church, being a part of some new ministry or the expansion of the worship team I hear you guys talking about. What is God calling you to do? So to close this morning, I just want to take our kind of that purpose statement and just reform it, if I would, into a a clear promise and then a final question. The promise is this, is the power and the presence of Christ is, not could be, not should, not might be, is 100% available to you. Not next week, not next year, but today. And if you believe that is true, and I believe it is 100%, then I have this question for you. What's your next step in that? What is your next step in the commission of Christ? I believe that's not just a, a mission given to pastors and preachers and worship leaders. It is a mission given to each of us. Given to us if we're on the security team. Given to us if we're just a a husband or a a mother. Given to us if we work a nine-to-five job or a third shift job. Given to us in all the ways that God, through Christ, said, I'm going to be with you, and I've got all the authority you need. And so your next step could look like this. It could look like you saying, wow, I want to be on mission with God, and I want the power and presence of Christ, and I've never come to a place in my life where I've asked him for that. I've never trusted Christ for salvation. I've never repented of my sin. I've never said, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to be made new so that I can experience your power, your presence, your mission. Maybe you've made that decision, and today you simply are wrestling with what is my next step. Don't go too far down the line. I always got got scared thinking what that was going to look like way down here when Jesus is just saying, I'm with you. Take a step for me. Kind of like he said to Abraham in the Old Testament, go and I will show you. Take a step and I'll show you where the next one needs to go. As I just be my honor to close this time of our our gathering for worship today, praying over you that God would empower you for your next step. And if you're able, if you just stand right where you're at, let me pray for you. And then our worship team will lead us in a time of response. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are, are so good that you sent Jesus, that he would die, that he would be risen and that he would call us to this great commission, that he would give all of his power to that commission, that he would be with us in all of his presence as we live on that commission for him. And I pray for every man, every woman here today that you would just empower them, strengthen them, speak to them, 
Help them, first of all, to believe that that power and that presence is available to them. Second of all, help them, Lord, to to begin maybe to answer the question of what is their next step on mission with you. Not for you, but with you. Lord, you said that uh, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Some of us struggle with that question of, am I strong enough? You also said that you would never leave us or forsake us. Some of us struggle with that question of, am I alone? Today, if any of those fears match hearts and minds in this room, I pray that you would minister to them. Call us out of those thoughts, out of those patterns, and into your great commission. We're thankful that you've entrusted that to us. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.